0: Love Talk Radio. And uh, this is my new show. I'm calling it Reflections and Celebrations. Reflections and Celebrations. I used to call it Say What? And I've always asked that question my whole life, why, about things. But now I feel like I just wish to reflect about things. And then... Uh, share with you joyful celebrations. <clears throat> so that's the new show, uh, Reflections and Celebrations, and you can read more about it on my new website also, which is www.marciann.com. And tonight I'm going to talk about a type of celebration that we do have. It's one of our sacred passages, um, the memorial service. Uh, when someone has passed. And I called this show tonight Spiritual Euthanasia. <clears throat> now, I have long been a proponent of euthanasia. I even sent money to Jack Kevorkian to help him with his legal fees when he was having to defend himself against the murder charge that was brought against him for helping one of his patients die. Actually, he had set up a some type of a machine that would inject the legal poison <clears throat> and it had a button on it that the patient himself would actually push that set the motion into action action into motion, so this put the power to end their lives strictly in the hands of the person who desired to die and This decision was made after a very careful and exhaustive meeting with the doctor. That uh, determined that everything had that could be done had been done, and the patient was definitely and without question terminal. Now, euthanasia or assisted—it's called assisted suicide as well—has been practiced forever because there are written accounts of euthanasia as far back as 500 BC. Because it was a common practice during the Greek and the Roman empires. And actually, King George V was given a lethal dose of morphine and cocaine by his doctor in order to hasten his death, although this was kept a secret uh, for 50 years. America saw the first attempts to legalize euthanasia back in 1906. Um, Henry Hunt introduced legislation into the General Assembly in Ohio on behalf of Anna Hall, who was a wealthy heiress and who was a major figure in the euthanasia movement during the early 20th century in the United States. She had watched her mother die after an extended battle with liver cancer, and she had just dedicated herself to ensure that others would not have to endure that same type of suffering. And so she organized um, a campaign and uh, presented her debate at an annual meeting of the American Humane Association in 1905. Um, Her petition called for the administration of an anesthetic to bring about the patient's death as long as the person was of lawful age and sound mind and was suffering from a fatal injury or an irrecoverable illness or was in great physical pain. Her uh, petition required that the case be heard by a physician. It It required informed consent in front of three witnesses, and then required the attendance of three physicians who had to agree that the patient's recovery was impossible. You know, when you think about it, we consider it humane, to euthanize our animals. <clears throat> now, the countries of the world where euthanasia are legal is legal are Belgium, Luxembourg, Switzerland, and Albania. And in the United States, the states of Oregon, Washington, and Montana allow euthanasia. I remember reading a true story about a man and his wife who lived in Switzerland and they had been married 50 years. And now the husband was judged terminal. I don't remember what the illness was, but there was nothing more that the medical profession could do. So in Switzerland, euthanasia is uh, legal, and so the man and his wife decided to choose euthanasia and to die together. Even though the woman could have possibly lived several years longer, she didn't want to live without her husband, so they made the decision together To be euthanized. And they told their children, and the children came together with their families to the euthanasia center, and they had their private family memorial service there, bringing flowers and playing music during the process. And it was chronicled as being peaceful, solemn, and sacred by the journalists who were allowed to attend in a family effort to educate and inform the public about the benefits of euthanasia. Now, to me, that seemed like a very gracious and thoughtful event. I mean, how wonderful is it to know when it is going to happen and to know that my mom and my dad were never going to have to ever suffer and they would never be separated from one another, one of them having to suffer the grief of losing their mate. And I would bring my children and I would tell them, you know, today it's time for grandma and grandpa to go back to God. They came from God and it's now time for them to go back to God. And you came from God too. And when you are old and you have lived all of your life here on earth and you have done everything you're supposed to do for God while you are here, then you also will go back to God. And in my case, I would tell my children that they would then get a new body, a brand new young body, and they would come back and live again and do more things for God. You know, curiously, in articles on the Internet about euthanasia, it is reported that Francis Bacon discussed an outward and an inward euthanasia. The outward euthanasia is involved with alleviating the pain and suffering of an illness. Once it's determined that there's nothing more that anybody can do to heal the person or to create a comfortable, pain-free life for them, it just seems axiomatic to allow the person the right to just go ahead and die and end the agony. But perhaps my ease in believing in euthanasia is created because I do believe in reincarnation. And when we die, I believe that our soul's live stream chooses another time and another place to again take form and live again. And this would be the inward euthanasia, whatever the person themselves personally believes about their soul. I believe this other time and other place can be here on earth. Or or it could be in another planet somewhere in another universe. But I do also believe that as we continue to expand our consciousness in life after life after life, eventually we graduate and we can eliminate the cycle of birth and death and just take our place in the eternal realms of cosmic consciousness. And in these realms, there is a going and a coming in and out of form like Jesus does, but that discussion is for another show. So to believe in reincarnation, you would also need to sort of adjust your thinking and what you believe about heaven and hell, too, because actually heaven and hell are places that we create while we are here in the body, because you're either living in heaven or you're living in hell right now. And the good thing about this to know is that since you are in charge of whether you're living in heaven or hell right now, if you feel like you are living in hell, you can just choose to go to heaven right now. The man I'm going to tell you about on this show today actually created a living hell for himself. And his spiritually assisted euthanasia was needed because his body was now completely consumed by the tragic resentment and hatred that he had for the company he had worked for during his life. And this resentment and hatred manifested as cancer everywhere in his body. He had invested his whole life as a part of the crew aboard Pan American Airlines national and international flights. And the demise of Pan American Airlines started with a terrorist attack in 1988, when Flight 103 was shot down and 270 people lost their lives. Then the 1990-91 Persian Gulf War, which set fuel prices soaring at that time, brought the already beleaguered airlines to its knees. And on January 8, 1991, they declared bankruptcy and subsequently ceased operations on December 4th. 1991, leaving its 7,500 employees without a job at Christmas and without their retirement, which they had paid into and counted on. So Larry found himself in what was supposed to be his golden years, struggling to even make ends meet. His wife left him. He ended up living on his boat in disgrace and poverty, and daily flooding his mind and his body with his angry and cruelly hateful judgments of the atrocity that had befallen him. And this daily injection of resentment created this living hell for himself, not only to everyone in his life, outside of his body, but also inside of his body where the cancer literally ate him up. He had more than five different surgeries in various parts of his body trying to get it all, but it would just pop up somewhere else because he continued giving himself those daily doses of his anger and resentment. And finally, the doctor said there was nothing more they could do. He was judged terminal and hospice was called in. About a year ago, his uh, son had felt that he shouldn't be alone on the boat anymore, so they moved the boat from Redondo Beach to Dana Point, which was closer to the son's home, and Larry moved in with his son and his wife. Now, his son has been working for me these last eight years. His name is Dennis, and throughout my 20 years of doing weddings, and still today, I get requests, for a male minister to do the ceremony. Because there's still a mass mind consciousness within the global community that the person who marries you represents God. And, of course, we all know that God's a man, right? I mean, even I say God, he. (laughs) And nearly all spiritual, religious, and esoteric literatures do address God as a male energy. Although in the oldest esoteric writings, although God is The masculine energy, the feminine energy, is called the deep or the darkness before the beginning when God said, let there be light. So particularly Catholics who are mentored in their religious experience by a priest and Christians who start out as Catholics within that male-dominated patriarchal system, these are the ones who ask for a male minister. Well, actually, as ministers, we really do not represent God. Our legal power is from the state. I mean, I say by the power vested in me by the state of California. And I don't say we've gathered together today in the presence of God and these witnesses because that's redundant to me. The witnesses are the presence of God at a wedding. Since all of us have the presence of God within us, which is proved by our breath, And as ministers, we represent the state. And then God is spirit, which manifests as male and female, at least in this universe. However, I do still get requests, even today, for a male minister to perform the wedding ceremony. So years ago, Dennis, Larry's son, got his ordination online, and he does the ceremonies for me. And then when my daughter and her husband moved to Texas, Dennis and his wife began doing the entire wedding from setting up the decorations and coordinating the event and also performing the ceremony. Because while my daughter and her husband worked for me, my company could do two weddings at 5 o'clock on Saturday. So Dennis and his wife took their place so that the company could still do two weddings at 5 o'clock on Saturday. Well, Dennis's sister Diane has also worked for me for 12 years. She started out doing the decorations for the big weddings where there would be 100 to 150 guests. And we would need to have chairs and arches and aisle runners and chair covers and sashers and microphone systems and uh, do all the flowers. Now, I no longer do these big weddings, so I turned that part of the wedding business over to her. And now she has her own website and she does the whole thing. Well, she called me last Sunday. And she said, Marcy, if you want to say goodbye to Larry, you better go today. I think he's getting ready to go. Now I think that all of us would have a catch in our breath when getting this kind of a phone call. Life is so precious. And while we're in our body and we have our right mind and our energy is still available to us to create what we want in our life, things seem right. And it's a disruption to the natural order of things to have to consider that this life, Larry's current life on earth, is coming to an end. For years now, and more acutely the last two years, Larry has just wearily submitted himself to the dictates of the Western medical system in its continuous and grueling attempts to arrest the growth of cancer in a person with drastic clean-out surgeries to try to get it all, and then masses of chemotherapy and radiation. And he had just become a mere shadow of himself, less than 100 pounds now, needing intravenous feedings as he had become unable to eat because the cancer had destroyed his esophagus as he continued to rant and rave against Pan American Airlines every chance he had. But other clean-out surgeries of his lungs and colon and his stomach were to no avail, and he finally was bedridden on a catheter and wearing pampers. Dennis had gotten a hospital bed for him, and Larry stayed at home until the end with 24-hour day and night care by the hospice personnel, who were giving more and more injections of morphine to ease the pain. And then the call. Marcy, if you want to say goodbye to Larry, you'd better go see him today. Now, the reason I'm doing this show is to look at how is the best use of our energy when we get this call. Because for the majority of the population on earth today, at some time in your life, you're going to get this call. So how is the most spiritual way to handle it? Let me tell you what I did. First of all, I sat in a meditation, and I asked for wisdom and guidance about what I should say or do when I went to see Larry. And I got an idea to take him a quartz crystal that I had. It was a lovely pink oval-shaped crystal that I had on my dining room table with two other crystals. And I looked up pink quartz crystal on Google. Google. And while love is the primary principle of energy in a pink quartz crystal, I also found this information. A pink quartz crystal comes from the very elemental foundation of the earth. And it is useful to assist a person to make a change in their life. So I wrapped it all up in tissue paper with pink ribbons, and I took it with me to go see Larry. When I got to Dennis's house, the hospice nurse was in with Larry, so I waited while she changed his catheter and his pampers and then gave him another shot of morphine. And then she came out and she said, you can go in now. I walked into the room, and Larry was laying on his back with his arms at his side, he did seem to be breathing easily, and his eyes were closed. I couldn't tell if he was aware that I was there or not, but since I know that even a person in a coma has awareness at the consciousness level, I just began to speak to him, and I took his hand, and I said, Larry, it's Marcy, and I've come to see you today to thank you for having been Dennis's father I believe that Dennis is your most outstanding accomplishment in this life, and he's been such a blessing to me. He holds such high standards of perfection for himself. He's totally honest, and he has personal integrity. He's totally trustworthy. His word is his bond. If he says he will do something, he does it, and he does it the best way he can do it. I've never had a single moment of concern or worry when I've sent him out to do a a wedding for my bride. You know, Larry, we never get a second chance to do a wedding. Everything has to be perfect the first time, every time. In all the years that Dennis has helped me with the weddings, I've never had a single complaint. We've never even had a single bad thing happen. All of them that Dennis did were perfect and it was because he made sure everything was perfect. And as his father, I know that much of how he lived his life, he learned from you, either by you teaching him what was right or just living your own life and setting the example for him. And I want to thank you, thank you, thank you for being Dennis's father. And, Larry, I want to give you this pink quartz crystal. And I opened his hand, and I put the crystal in the palm of his hand. And I closed his fingers back around the crystal, and I said, this crystal came from the very foundations of the earth. And in its primordial state, it is perfect. The energy is perfect. Just like you have been the perfect dad. And just like Dennis, your son, has lived his life. And now this crystal is going to help you make any changes that you want to make in your life right now. And this crystal will give you the energy to do what you want to do now. Just hold tight to the crystal and decide what you want to do. And then I said, Goodbye, Larry. Dennis was waiting outside of the door when I came out, and I gave him a big hug, and I held on real tight to him, too. And I told him again how much he has meant to me and how wonderful it's been to have him work for me and to never give me a moment of worry or concern. And he said, my dad wants to be cremated, and his ashes spread over the Pacific Ocean from the boat with just us kids. And I said, that sounds wonderful. Just sounds perfect, Dennis. It's a perfect ending. And then the next morning, Dennis's sister Diane called me, and she said, Marcy, Larry passed in the early, early morning hours before dawn this morning. He passed completely peacefully, and he was holding tight to the pink quartz crystal. I believe that while Larry was in that morphine-induced quiet when I was in the room with him, that he he heard everything I said to him. And I believe it was presented to him by spirit as an angel in a dream, flying down from heaven, giving him that crystal directly from God, to enable him to return to god and i believe it was so clearly and powerfully presented to him that it was easy for him to make the choice to go home to god without any fear or judgment or condemnation just a clearly lighted path back to the realms of spirit and he decided to go I stopped by Dennis's house Thanksgiving evening because the whole family was there. The table was laden with bountiful gifts of roasted turkey and dressing and Dennis's wife's wonderful Maine mashed potatoes and the gravy. The gravy, my most favorite part of the Thanksgiving meal. And honey-baked cam and candied yams and green bean casserole and pumpkin and pecan pie and Larry's room had been completely restored back to being Dennis's office no hospital bed and the atmosphere in the house was subdued it seemed like everyone talked in more hushed tones as we all acknowledged that Larry wasn't there and yet there was also laughter and playfulness and talk of the future Larry's grandsons were all there. One of them's in the military, just finished his training, and was home on leave to be with us for Thanksgiving. And another one of them's getting married in two weeks and is considering doing a radio show right here on Blog Talk Radio. He wants to call the show One Good Horse, so be on the lookout for that premiere, because he says he's a modern-day Paul Revere. (laughs) And they had their girlfriends with them, and for them, you know, life is still at those very beginning stages, all full of hopes and dreams and desires for changes for the highest and best good of all. They are the future. And as I prepared to leave, Dennis came up to me, and he reached down into his front right pants pocket, and he brought out the oval pink quartz crystal. And he said, I have it now, Marcy, and I'm going to keep it until it's time for me to go. And I said, or, Dennis, you could choose to take your body with you, and you can take the crystal with you also. Life is eternal, just like your crystal is eternal. We all come from one place, and we all return. Round and round we go until we're prepared to eternally exist in and out of form in perfection forever.